Welcome to the party, pal. The Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Oh yeah, baby. Live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Hello and good morning to you. It is Monday, 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 fun day Monday. Hello and welcome to the program. Thanks for coming in and joining us. Uh, we have got uh, quite a few things to talk about this morning here on the program as we get ready to crank things up for the week. Here we are less than, um, what are we, eight days away, nine days away from the end of the session. And uh, still a lot of things to discuss here internally in the state of Alaska. Not a lot of headway being made on the state's budget. In fact, there was some lamentations in the paper that uh, uh, the, the legislature's just kind of, I mean, the implication was that the, the, the legislature, specifically the House, was not doing its job uh, because, uh, I mean, they should have it all done by now, right? I mean, <clears throat> it should already be over. It's obvious to the big, you know, fat heads over there, big brains over at the newspaper and on parts of the legislature that, boy, we should really be working on this. And uh, we just haven't done it yet. Um, and uh, and and why aren't we why aren't we focusing on this? And why why are we talking about these these ancillary bills that are not really doing anything good for us? In fact, they're hurting us. And. Oh, the hand rig. I mean, it's 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 ironic to watch. It really is ironic to watch. Um, but we're going to talk about that here this morning uh, as we go through. And we are going to uh, take some phone calls because, uh, well, because I want to see what you guys want to. Uh, I, 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 I've got a I've got a qu- I've got a quiz. I've got a poll. I've got some some things that I want to talk about. Uh, outside of politics as well, and uh, we're going to go over that. And uh, uh, so that gives, uh, that's it for today. We got that's that's kind of how we have everything lined up for today. Um, and I'm hoping that you guys will. Um, um, I'm hoping that you guys will participate, and so that we have a little bit of a better uh, feel for what's going on, and uh, and we know uh, that we're talking about what you guys want to talk about. How about that? How about that? All right. So uh, some of the headlines for today. Uh, and I heard about this this weekend as I was traveling uh, up and down the up and down the peninsula. Uh, there was a, a, a lot of uh, uh, people that were kind of happy with some of the things that they've been hearing about going on. The uh, Homer judge has been indicted on a felony charge of perjury this 
uh, has to do, many believe this has to do with the uh, uh, with the, the fight over the Alaska grand jury, um, although proceedings from the grand jury are secret uh, and there's just a lot of supposition going on, this might be something, and we'll talk about that here in just a little bit. We've also got, again, like I said, some wild hand-wringing on um, how the uh, House and the Senate have just are not done with the budget yet, and uh, they want to. We gotta, we gotta get, we gotta get going on. Uh, James Brooks actually has a good article over at the Alaska Beacon talking about this, and he highlights uh, a couple interesting things that I want to go over as well. Plus, we've got a look at what's happening as far as public. Uh, testimony opportunities that's uh, that are coming up here in the next uh, three or four days. And so we'll go over that as well, some places where you can um, uh, have your voice heard uh, on some of these uh, some of these issues and some of the bills and elements that are coming up in front of the legislature uh, for this for this week. Uh, I mean, we are literally, coming down to nine days away right now. So by Wednesday of next week, this whole thing is supposed to be done. And I guess we'll see what, I guess we'll see what happens with that. Um, I am not, I'm not convinced that we're going to make it out um, in the allotted time simply because I think that there is, um, well, I just, I just think that there's just too much, too much of a divided nature in the legislature right now, and so we'll see, we'll see what that's all about as we go through here this morning and talk about all these things. But I guess first and foremost, what I should do is remind you of a couple things. I got a chance to meet with some members of the uh, of the listening audience this weekend while I was down in uh, while I was down on the peninsula. Uh, including some members of the Common Sense Corps, which is our cool kids club. It's the the it's like a fan club that helps support the show. Um, and so if you haven't uh, if you haven't um, um, gone out and checked it out, I recommend you do so. Uh, you just go to uh, you go to MichaelDukeShow.com and you click on Join the Corps there at the top of the page, and that will uh, all, you know all the money's there that are raised there help uh, keep the show rolling and, and include, include improvements. I was just talking with a couple people about how the, uh, <clears throat> how the funds from the uh, show helped us uh, redo the whole studio back in December. And we've got a lot more, we get, get we got fancier, we got fancier, uh, new, new, uh, new sound equipment, new video equipment, new lighting, new little bit of everything. And so, if you'd like to help support the show, you enjoy what we do. Don't always have to agree with us, but if you enjoy the conversations and everything else, go over to MichaelDukeShow.com and click on Join the Corps, and uh, that's where you that that's that's where you help out and be part of it. Plus, you get access to our private Facebook group and all kinds of stuff. So go check it out. All right. <clears throat> that being said, let's uh, get the phone lines turned on at 907-433-3150, 907 407-433- 3150. 
Uh, phone lines are up and running right now. And, of course, this program is brought to you today by your friends over there at Satellite West. You can find them at SatelliteWest.com where they will keep you connected across the state no matter where you are. I mean, where I was down at the down at the very end of the highway, the very end of the spit. Um, it'll keep you connected there, and it'll keep you connected all through the whole place that I drove through uh, this weekend back and forth. Um, any any place in there you could find, because there's a couple dead spots in there. I will I will say there's a couple dead spots in there where you've got no cell phone coverage, no internet, no nothing else. If uh, if you want to stay connected, then Satellite West is the place to go. And uh, you can find them at SatelliteWest.com. And they've got big dealers all over the state, including Radar Alaska out on the spit. I saw them this uh, I saw them uh, this week as well uh, as the as I drove by there. Uh, you can't miss them. Satellite West, proud sponsors of the Michael Duke Show. So the phone lines are open, and any topic is fair game today. But here is what I'm going to be talking about. Going to be talking about the budget. Going to be talking about some of the new bills that are being passed. Uh, we're going to talk about the uh, public testimony, both your opportunities for it and the fact that the legislature is trying to change some procedures uh, due to the fact that they have had some tremendous uh, they have had some tremendous uh, phone loads uh, over the last uh, uh, over the last few weeks here, the fifth time this year, the uh, public has overloaded the public testimony phone lines. And so they're trying to figure out how to make all that happen. They're trying to figure out how to get all those phone calls. And so they're talking about changing some of the procedures. I mean, I've talked about why did you just put it on the road system and then people can just drive to it. Just put the legislative system uh, session on the road system. And then you don't have to worry about clogged up phone lines because people could actually show up. That's uh, that's one of the things we're going to talk about. We'll talk about, like I said before, the grand jury stuff and um, uh, more, more, more. Oh, homeschooling. We're going to talk about homeschooling, too. So <clears throat> that's the list of stuff for this morning. Meanwhile, we've got uh, oh, we've got a line on hold already. So we'll uh, we'll go over there just to get things started. And see what we can, uh, and see what we can see, shall we? Nine zero seven four three three thirty one fifty is the phone number for those that would like to participate in the show this morning. Feel free to uh, feel free to do so. Let's uh, crank over here and see what's going on. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hello, caller. I can see you there. All right. Well, apparently the caller is just hanging out, not wanting to uh, not wanting to talk to us. Let me make sure that we're all good here. All participants yep, are it muted. It still works. So everything's working except for the caller. Let's try that one more time. Good morning, caller. Who's this? Where are you Hello? calling? Hello. Hello. Go ahead. This is Bonnie. Hello, Bonnie. What's on your mind? Go ahead, Bonnie. All right. Well, I don't know what's going on with Bonnie, but uh, we obviously can't hear her. All right. <clears throat> That's fine. That's fine. Let's talk about a little bit of what's going on. Uh, uh, let's talk a little bit about what's coming up for bills that are going to be coming up this week. 
Um, coming up uh, today, tomorrow, Wednesday, and Thursday. Wednesday's a pretty light day. Uh, they only have one bill, SB95, which is about specialty license plates for different organizations. That's the only that's the only bill that's being heard right now. Um, on uh, on on May the tenth at nine a.m. in Senate Finance. That's the only bill. Uh, but Thursday is going to be busy, and today is fairly busy as well. Uh, at 9 a.m. this morning, we've got uh, two separate committees, House Fisheries and Senate Finance. House Fisheries is going to be hearing HB 169, which is the Fisheries Rehabilitation Permit uh, Project Bill, uh, at 9 a.m. in House Fisheries. And then Senate Finance is going to hear two different bills, one SB 140, which is about Internet for Schools, and the second bill, which is probably the bigger of the two, is going to be the Carbon Offset Program on State Lands Bill, SB 48, talking about the governor's proposed Carbon Offset Program. That's also going to be today in Senate Finance at 9 a.m. So they're going to, I don't know which bill they're going to take up first since they're both limited uh, at the same thing. Uh, and then tomorrow, the um, uh, the Senate Finance Committee at 1.30 is going to take up the Elections Voter Registration and Campaigns Bill, the, the Electoral Bill, SB 138. And then House State Affairs is going to take up at 3 p.m. the Repeal the Ranked Choice Open Primary uh, uh, Bill, HB 4. So tomorrow is all about elections, both in Senate Finance at 1.30 and in House State Affairs at 3 p.m. So if you want to get in on that, you make sure that you want to either get down to the LIO or see if you can dial in. But again, they're having huge, huge problems with, uh, with the phones getting overloaded, and I'm sure we'll be talking about that here in just a bit. All right, so we're going to continue. Got more coming up. We're going to dive down into some of these issues. We're going to take some of your calls, see what you have to say. And we will return. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio, your phone calls as well at 907 433 3150. Feel free to give us a ring. We will be back with more right after these messages. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, uh, we're in the break right now. I see I got one line on hold. I needed to check something here to see why I could hear Bonnie, but she was not responding to us. Why that is, I don't know. I see the input's going back to her, so that's all good. Uh, that's all good there. I'm just going over to make sure that nothing got bumped around or something. Shouldn't have, but, you know, that's uh, how it goes. Nope, that's all, it's all going back out to them. All right, well, let's go back over to the phones right now to see who this is, and maybe we can hear them to get them set up for the return to the radio. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hello, caller. 
Okay. Well, I don't know who the caller is. Hello. Hello. Hello, I can hear you. I don't know if they could hear me. They, I mean, they obviously heard me calling, you know, talking up until the point where I took the phone call. Caller, go ahead. No. Well, all right. Well, we'll put him back on hold. I don't know what's going on with that, but I could see all the levels of me talking to everybody, uh, and I could see their levels calling back, so. Maybe one of you folks in the chat room want to call and talk to me and hear me so that we can get the phones. I mean, everything looks like it's working. Might just, uh, it might just be, might just be the caller. Might just be the caller. I don't know. Sometimes that happens. Um, go ahead and the phone's not working, says Bonnie in the chat room. Well, we hear you, so I don't know what's going on. If you, uh, like I said, maybe one of you wants to call in and help me out here. 907-433-3150. Let's see what what you guys have to say about this. Um, House Ways and Means is meeting every day this week at 6 p.m. and has great bills to hear and pass out of committee, says Donna. Well, that's weird. That didn't get onto the list from Must Read. I wonder what's going on with that. Um... All right. Never cease to disappoint. Tripod is going out. Well, the tripod went out, but it didn't pull the pin on the clock because it hasn't traveled far enough downriver yet. I thought that was kind of hysterical. All right. Uh, we got another call on hold. Well, we just had people, boy, just call, just bam, bam, bam. On, off, on, off. I had one. Now I have two. Now I have one. Maybe it's a whole deal. Let's get over here to the phones and try it one more time. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Morning, Mike. It's Bill in Anchor Point. Hello. Can you hear me now? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yep, sure can. Okay. Well, good. Working on this end. Yeah, good. Well, maybe again. Sometimes it's just, I don't know, connections with a caller or what or whatever it was. So I appreciate that. Thank you, Bill, for helping out. Uh, appreciate you calling in. What? How? No problem, any, any thoughts Have for you day. today? Any thoughts from you today before I let you go? No, nah, I think. Yeah, no, I'm good to go this morning, buddy. <laughs> thanks for uh, thanks for Enjoying helping us out. Show. Appreciate it, Bill. Appreciate Th- the great show, bud. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Uh, it's Bill calling in, so we know it works. So it's not just me. Okay, good. I thought it was. I thought. I thought maybe I was losing my mind. Losing my mind. Interesting that the majority limitations came from the minority who were not all that concerned with the fiscal plan last year uh, or in the uh, case of one of those quoted for the last six years. (laughs) Don't you love that? Oh, now we're fiscally responsible. Couldn't possibly spend from savings because that would just not be fiscally responsible, even though I've been part of a majority that spent from savings for the last 10 years. But that would just not be fiscally responsible, only because we didn't control it. Right? Right? It's amazing how that goes. All right. uh, We're down to the last 30 seconds here, getting ready to jump back into it. Um, and Kevin, uh, I see you've been in the chat room. Feel free to call in this morning if you want about the homeschooling bill, which I'm going to get into here in just a few moments. We're going to get all that squared away. 
Okay, Scandal in Ninana. <laughs> Tripod. All right, here we go. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Okay. Well, we took a phone call during the break, so we know the phones work. Sometimes it's, you know, just people's phones not working on their end more than anything else. Although it makes me doubt myself, which I hate. I hate it when I doubt myself. Everything's up and working, though, so we know uh, we know everything's just fine. Give us a call if you'd like. 907-433-3150-907-433-3150. In response to the different bills that I was just talking about, Donna Ardwin, who works for Representative Ben Carpenter, the chair of the House Ways and Means Committee, has said that House Ways and Means is meeting every day this week at 6 p.m. and has a whole bunch of great bills to hear and pass out of committee. And that, of course, is the uh, House Ways and Means uh, is the committee that has all of the fiscal plan bills in it right now. Oh, but they face from outrage this weekend. We're going to talk about that in a minute because they dared, dared, I tell you, to take an opportunity to potentially bolster uh, bolster, uh, uh, homeschooling, uh, homeschooling stuff. But, oh, man, they're just, oh, they're, ooh, bad. They're evil now. Well, maybe not evil, but kind of a what were they thinking kind of thing. But every night this week, 6 p.m., House Ways and Means Committee will be having a variety of bills in front of them, uh, all of them uh, surrounding the uh, fiscal plan for the state of Alaska, which is really what we need. And that's what the governors ask for. Uh, all right, let's uh, go over and uh, try some phone lines right now to see what you guys have to say. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? What's on your mind? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, there's a little bit of an echo, Michael. It's Kevin McCabe. How are you? Good, mor- uh, good morning, Kevin. Uh, it's good to hear from you. I was just going to get into the bill. Uh, so uh, hold on a second. I'll, I'll, you, you can just r- hide quietly there on the phones for the second while I... Uh, tell folks what uh, the just the palaver, the fervor that people have gotten, uh, uh, you know, that are all up in arms about the fact that how dare the House uh, uh, who who basically haven't pla- passed a fiscal plan? Oh man, the, the, you you guys haven't that that the House Ways and Means Committee tasked with addressing Alaska's long term fiscal plan is yet to advance any of the dozen bills referred to it. They would levy new taxes or change the structure of the permanent fund dividend or anything else. This whole article goes on to talk about how, how dare you guys, after not doing any of that, decide to take up a bill, HB 165, that would raise the amount of funding per homeschooled child from 5300 to more than 7000 and would send that money directly to the parents instead of funneling it through a correspondence, approved correspondence uh, school uh, and everything else. And uh, you're quoted at the at the end of the article, uh, basically said that, why would you ever push back against something that's good for kids? Which I thought was, 
Well, I thought that was good because isn't that the answer that we always hear? Why would you? Why do you hate children? Uh, why would you push back on something that's for children? Uh, so, Kevin, uh, give us uh, give us your thoughts on this bill and some of the details on it. And uh, because, quite honestly, I hadn't even heard about this bill until it came up in the news. Well, sure, Michael. It's uh, it's sort of interesting, you know. The uh, there's a big clamor for the BSA. We need to increase the BSA, and people forget that the BSA is just sort of the the beginning, and then you have the all the multipliers, and and it ends up being I think students, average student in Alaska, after the BSA increase or after the BSA is multiplied by the average daily membership and the uh, intensive needs and all that. Uh, students average about eighteen thousand dollars is what we give to the school districts per student of the state does, and you know we wanted to increase the, the HB one sixty five contemplates increasing the amount of money that goes to correspondence students from about twenty eight hundred, I think that's what Raven gets twenty eight hundred, and that's controlled by the district a little bit, but. They get 2,800 per student. Uh, goes to the parents to to homeschool your kids for correspondence schools, and we wanted to bring that up to about 7,200. We in the house are focused on education and on our children, not on feeding the school districts uh, a BSA increase. It's unfortunate that you know they put a, a eighth grader on there with some sort of discussion about the BSA increase, which is a is a hugely unfortunate leveraging of a young man who really doesn't know what he's talking about, but he's obviously been fed from the from the school district administrators on, on what to say and probably from the teachers and NEA. But that doesn't, even a fraction of that won't even go to the classrooms. It won't go to the teachers. It won't go to the students. It won't go to reducing sizes in the classrooms. It goes to the school district right. and they use it for roof repairs and new snow plows and all that sort of thing. So um, it's, you know, the, the house majority and, and many of us are focused on our kids. And that's what HB 165 tried to do is focus on our kids and get parents that want to homeschool and correspondent school enough money where they can actually do it properly and afford their kids things such as uh, um, CTE education, maybe a, a welding class, a swimming class, that sort of thing. Right. No, I mean, I think it's I think it's interesting that it, you kind of I think hit the nail on the head when you basically said um, uh, at the end, you know that that uh, you know this is about kids and not about schools. That it, and the, there is a difference, right? I mean, there is a difference because. That's what they keep coming back to. Oh, this is about schools. This is about schools. No, it should be about the children and what's the, the maximum benefit of the children, not to the schools, not to the, uh, you know, the teachers unions, not to the administrative overhead, not to the machine that is the schools. This is about making sure that kids are benefiting in the long run. And as you pointed out, a lot of these monies, although there used to be a rule that a BSA increase or that any, that the BSA that a, that a, a good chunk of it had to go directly into the classrooms, that's been gone for years, and so now we're trying to find ways to make sure that that money actually gets to the classroom to the kids where it affects them, and uh, now people are uh, upset about it. 
Sure. You know, yeah, that's the 70% rule that's been gone since I think uh, 2014 or 2015, something like that. And of course the school administrators will tell you that 72% of the money still goes to the, uh, to the classroom. And it's just not true because they include administration in the classroom. So, um, you know, it all kind of depends on how you parse the money out. But my big question to all of these folks is, is the school there for the kids or are the kids there for the school? I mean, we need to decide, are we going to focus on our children or are we going to focus on infrastructure and big, uh, big business that the schools have become? Let me ask you a question uh, about some of the constitutional aspects of it, because I know that that was kind of covered uh, during the during the hearing on it, um, because there was questions about whether or not this was constitutional, because there's a provision that says no money shall be paid from public funds for the direct benefit of any religious or other private education institution. And so the question becomes how that I mean, that is kind of a sticky wicket um, as far as, you know, if you look at it in plain language. What was the response and what are the sponsors of the bills? What what was the what was the word that came back during the meeting itself over those concerns? Yeah, so we didn't really uh, get into that much in that in that hearing. Um, certainly that's covered. Uh, you know, Alaska's constitution has sort of a partial Blaine amendment in our language, and you know, one of the ways that you can get by that is we're not paying it to a school. We are paying it to the parents, like uh, like Arizona does, uh, which they call a education savings account, and you pay the money to the parents, and then the parents use it to purchase a approved school or a correspondence uh, program, uh, such as Raven or or one of those idea. I think you did idea with your with your kids, right, right, and uh, you know, so that that sort of gets past the. Um, we're not giving it to a secular or religious or private school. We're giving it to the parents, and then they, um, you know, and then they decide which school uh, curricula they want to purchase and, and how they want it, the CTE they want to do, whether it be uh, welding at NIT or something like that. You know, some people may say, "Well, that's just a, you know, that's just a, 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 a you know, kind of a sneaky way or the thing." Or the, but that's the law. The law says no direct benefit to those no direct payments to those kind of things it doesn't say you can't give it to the people and let the people decide where they want to spend the money and that's kind of the out on this right right and that's the whole you know that goes back i mean we're using different words but that's the whole vouchers um argument uh you know that's been around for years so this bill um actually increases the vouchers if you will or the money to the parents and uh, and uh, gives them greater choices in curricula and expands the horizons that they can use for their, for their children. There was some concern about, well, we don't, uh, we don't trust the parents. Uh, Representative Gray was very concerned that some parents were going to take that and use it for a field trip to say Disneyland. But um, as you know, from idea that you're very restricted in what you can use the money for. Right. No, I, you know, I will be honest with you. Uh, A lot of representatives Gray's comments were, well, quite honestly, as a homeschooling parent, they were kind of offensive to me. Um, and and I think it's uh, – I mean, he obviously just doesn't think that parents are qualified to teach their own children. Uh, he said uh, – um, he said the message that I think we're sending is that all kids would do better if their parents 
who don't have teaching credentials and never have taught a child before stayed home and taught. And I'm like, yep, that's exactly what I think. I don't necessarily need to have teaching credentials to be able to figure out how to teach my kids how to do reading, writing, and arithmetic, which is what the basics of what we really need, and then encourage their love of learning beyond that. I just, I, again, it's kind of that, that and there was a, a, a paragraph above that that said opponents also said that homeschooling is not a good fit for many families in the state, including immigrants, people for whom English is not a primary language, parents who work full-time, and parents who think that certified and experienced teachers may be better educators than they could be. Again, we're not – oh, it's just – it's it's setting us up for this kind of us-versus-them mentality, right? Sure, and, you know, my uh, my response to Representative Gray was – it's a voluntary thing. If you don't think you can handle it because of your job or if both of you work and you don't think you can handle it, then obviously as a parent, the best choice you would make for your kids is to put them into a, into a public school or, or some other private school that you have to pay for. If you can handle this, if you, if you have a stay at home mom or you think your job is such that you could, uh, you know, you could handle the homeschooling, then, then maybe it's for you and you should have the opportunity and the ability to uh, to do this. It's certainly not directive. It's permissive, and this bill is. Well, and that's one of the nice things about a lot of the correspondence systems, like, for example, IDEA, the one that I'm most familiar with, is that if you as a parent don't feel that you're equipped to be able to do all the teaching, maybe you feel like you can do the reading, writing, and arithmetic, but then you get into, you know, I don't know, higher math or maybe some of the sciences, things that you're not ready for, you know, these programs have contact teachers that will work with your child one-on-one, that will work with you as a parent educator, that will be able to plug you into the resources that you need to be able to get your kids through all this. My kid, who was struggling with math, uh, my youngest, who was struggling with math for the longest time, got his math up finally. And all of a sudden, we discovered that at one point, he was, he on his own, was out there taking physics courses, like these basic physics courses because it was part of another curricula that he had access to, and he was just doing it on his own because it interested him. I mean, I would have never thought the kid who had originally struggled with math would be interested in that, but the teacher helped him, and he got in there. I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing what these kids can learn if you just give them the basic fundamental tools of you know reading, writing, arithmetic, and then let them find their own path. It's an amazing, uh, it's an amazing opportunity. Right. And, you know, we hear the argument all the time from the teachers and the administrators, the, the wailing, oh, my God, it's going to double the class sizes and, and we're going to. Well, isn't this a way to um, create a smaller class size to allow some families that might want to do this but oh. couldn't afford to do it yeah. prior to now? But then they had an answer for that one, too, didn't they, though, Kevin? Didn't they have the answer for that one? Well, I mean, it may be a smaller class size, but, you know, they've still got to keep the lights on and the teacher still has to be there. So, we, you know, well, you can't have it both ways. You can't have classes that are overfilled with too many students. And now you're like, well, we just can't not get. I mean, again, it comes back to are the is the system there for the kids or is it there for the schools and the administration and all that other stuff itself? I mean, it's. It's kind of crazy. Where does the bill go from here, Kevin? It's it's kind of, it's done in committee, and I know it's probably not going anywhere in the next nine days. But where does it go from here? Um, you know, I'm not real sure. I, I, my guess is it probably has a finance referral, um, so it will it will certainly go to finance. And I'm not sure if there's a committee in between there or not. 
Well, we'll see what happens with that. Um, I want to talk for you with you for just a minute about defined benefits, but I'm up against the uh, break. Can you hang out with me for a second? Are you busy? No, sure. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break then, and we'll be back in just a moment. Kevin McCabe is our guest. We're talking uh, about a couple bills that he's been privy to. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about defined benefits. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We return with more right after this. Running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show. It astounds me, uh, Kevin, that uh, it seems like a lot of people, especially those who are opposed to the whole school homeschooling idea, that, uh, you know, only certified teachers, that only those who are educated in the proper way can handle it just kind of the disdain uh and i think gray i'm not meaning to pick on him too much but he's the one that's quoted in the paper um you know that he that this is just indicative of kind of the whole feeling of how dare you try and educate your own children because you lowly plebeian whatevers you just don't understand what it really takes and i just I mean, for years, America, uh, you know, we we taught our own kids. We dealt with that. We did it in little one-room schools or we did it at home. This is not, uh, you know, just because we created this massive, monstrous educational behemoth doesn't mean that it still can't be done in the privacy of your own home or in learning pods or teacher shares or anything else. Right. Well, especially with the um, you know, with the school models that we have set up, the structures and the lesson plans and, the, um, you know, the way we move the parent or help the parent move the children through the through the lesson plans and through the school year and, the you know, the goals and the uh, um, sort of gateways that, that those uh, lesson plans use, um, you know, those are a good guidance. And it, I think any anybody that was educated in the United States can follow a lesson plan. I mean, that's what teachers do. You know, certainly there are great teachers out there that have a real heart for their children and they're creative and they put together great classes. And I have the utmost respect for teachers. I'm not saying, I'm not saying anything against our teachers. What I am saying is that there should be a choice for parents that have decided that they don't want to put their children into public schools for whatever reason. Maybe it's, maybe it's you live up in, up in Anderson and the school has 16 people in it and it's starting to slowly diminish and go away and you want to be able to deal with your kid and teach your kid on your own. I mean, those, that, that should be a choice. Right. No, I mean, I agree. And, and again, <clears throat> we didn't say anything bad today about teachers in general. That has nothing. I'm not even talking about the teachers. I'm talking about the system itself. There are many teachers in there who are fighting and, right. and doing what they need to do. That's not what this is. Unfortunately, that's what they make. That that's the counter argument or the straw man argument that they put. Well, why do you hate teachers? I don't hate teachers. 
I have many reasons why I homeschooled my kids. It had nothing to do necessarily specifically with specific teachers or anything else. And I should be able to do it. And But, you know, just because somebody has got an education degree does not make them the only and sole arbiter of what is good for educating a child. Uh, I mean, you understand and you know your children right. better than anybody else. And each child has a different learning uh, style or a different learning language. And you've got to figure that out. And doing it in a one-on-one basis at home is, <clears throat> in a lot of ways, and for many people, a better way. You know, it's just different. It's For some people, it's better. Uh, not for everybody, I guess. I mean, I don't know why everybody couldn't do it, but it, it it's not about banging on the teachers. It's about giving the parents and encouraging the parents to do what I think is that you really their ultimate responsibility. Right. And, you know, it's interesting that the people that ask you, why do you hate teachers or assume you hate teachers, they're not interested in Governor Dunleavy's uh, retention bonus plan for teachers, you know, the five, ten, fifteen thousand dollar retention bonus. They're they're not interested in giving teachers that at all. So, you know, they as well seem to want to uh, depress teachers and put teachers down. I'm I'm telling you, we could increase the BSA a thousand dollars no you know, and and a very slim percentage of it would go to teachers in classrooms. Right. It's just the way it is and it's 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 a no, I, I agree. I mean, it's kind of ironic to see how much of the money actually goes to overhead in the schools and everything else with very little of it actually trickling down into the classroom. And you made the comment earlier that it all depends on how you, you know, statistics, you know, statistics, numbers, statistics and damn liars or whatever the quote is, because it, depending on how you slice it up, you could show it going anywhere. If they include the administrative overhead into the classroom number, then wow, there you go. That's it. But <clears throat> if you're looking at strictly what's in the classroom, we're not hitting anywhere near that 70th percentile, especially when we've got schools where you've got three or four administrators, you know, for every four, for every four, uh, three or four uh, teachers, you know, or in some cases, five administrators sure. for four teachers. I mean, that's we're, we're getting to this overhead point to where it's tipping in the wrong direction and we're paying for all the chiefs and not enough Indians. You know what I mean? Right, and if you really look into it, if you look into the seventy-two percent that they claim goes to goes to the classroom, a good chunk of it is taken up by the IT department, which is also considered part of the class classroom. Right, right, so, right. Um, All right. Well, <clears throat> hold the line, Kevin. We're going to be right back to you. We're going to continue the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. Please like and share the show. Like and follow the show page. Let's uh, sit down and talk about all this. And uh, here we go. Let's uh, let's get on to it. Kevin McCabe is our guest. I suppose I should put the splash screen up with his name, but we're just we're just going to continue on. Just going to keep going. Here we go. Common Sense Radio. All right, we're continuing now. Kevin McCabe was kind enough to call in and talk with us a little bit about the education bill, which, by the way, is going to go to House Education next. And uh, that's where the the bill is destined to go, and eventually it'll probably go to uh, House Finance and everything else. But don't expect any great movements on this bill, uh, HB 165, until probably next session. 
Uh, but Kevin was uh, kind enough to come in and talk with us about that. Before we let him go, though, I wanted to talk a little bit about defined benefits. When the session started, um, the uh, the Senate said that they had two priorities. One was increasing the BSA to a significant amount, uh, $800 and change was the original number thrown around. Uh, and they said their second priority was making sure that they reinstated the defined benefits program, um, which has gone pretty much nowhere uh, at as, as of this point. It's had the bills. There's been a couple different bills, and they both had some hearings. The problem is, is that I don't see any real raw numbers or fiscal notes with any of this stuff. Um, Kevin, what's uh, going on in the House side anyway with defined benefits? And have we discovered how much this thing is actually going to cost if it happens to be implemented? Well, there's several, um, yeah, there's several uh, uh, competing statistical analysis, if you will. Um, I think that some of the folks that are pushing HB 22, um, they will say, oh, my God, it's a conservative retirement plan, hoping that the word conservative in front of retirement defined benefit retirement plan makes it all better. But if you look at the Reason Foundation and others, it could this could cost us $9.2 billion in the next decade or so. So that's it could be close to a billion dollars a year um, as we get further and further into the retirement. And it, you know, I mean, the, the cost to the state is certainly a big factor for me, and I look at that and I think, how can we ever support that? We still have, uh, depending on who you talk to, between 6.1 and $7 billion of liability left over from the last uh, defined benefit uh, retire, you know, defined benefit retirement system debacle that we had. But also for me, it's about our retirees. Uh, you know, why? why I say it time and time again, as a retiree, why would you want to trust the state legislature and a, and a retirement manager employed by the state with your retirement? It just is incredible to me. As a as a union negotiator, I think there's some room in there. Say you were the city of Fairbanks uh, firefighters, and your union negotiator went to the city of Fairbanks and said, "Hey, Fairbanks, instead of giving 10 percent." Of my uh, of my employees' salary to the state to the retirement system, how about if you just give it to each individual firefighter and have it have us put it in our our 401s or our 457s? Uh, you know, to me, there's lots of room in there uh, for that sort of negotiation that would make more financial, better financial sense for Fairbanks and better financial sense for the for the firefighter who now gets to keep his retirement system. And manage it all the way into retirement. Right. He could, Well, that's the thing, you know, self-directing it. What, yeah, self-directing it so that you have control over where your retirement goes and what you can do and everything else. That makes it portable and, and all different kinds of things. I mean, why wouldn't you want that to have more control over it other than the fact that, uh, you know, the, the plans that the state has put forth in the past have all been pretty gold-plated? Why wouldn't you want direct control of that stuff? Right, and and you can manage it. You know, if it's with Fidelity or T. Rowe Price or somebody like that, you can still manage it. You can direct the funds. Hey, I want I want more growth here, or I want more risk here, or I, I think you should get more into tech right now. You can certainly direct that even into retirement with the state fund. You're just kind of you're just kind of stuck with your retirement with what they give you, and it, to me, it just doesn't make good financial sense. And then you know, if you and your spouse both pass away. 
your retirement goes away. But if right. you have a 401k, it goes to your kids. Right. It's, you know? yeah, so transferable. It's, it's, uh, yeah, absolutely. There's so many reasons for retirees not to lock themselves into the golden handcuffs. Uh, that, um, it just I can't believe that the unions are actually selling this to their to their members. We're talking with Kevin McCabe, uh, representative from the Matsu, about a couple different bills that have been going on down there, the education for homeschooling. Uh-oh. Did and, I lose you, Michael? Uh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, we're talking with Kevin McCabe uh, about the education for homeschooling and the defined benefits program. Uh, Kevin, we're down to the last three or four minutes of this segment, so let's just wrap it up here. We got nine days, uh, nine days until the official end of the session. Uh, we see the again the lamentations in the newspaper about how why would you guys take up this bill that we're talking about the homeschool bill? I mean, there's so many more important things that are coming around and everything else. But as Donna pointed out, the House Ways and Means is putting out bills. They're going to be talking about stuff all this week to get all the pieces and parts out. Uh, so tell me, what do you think happens over the next nine days here as we get ready and and we sprint to the finish? Are, is something going to come across the line, or are we going to be here for another thirty days? What do you What do you think? Well, that's a really good question. I don't think anybody really knows. Certainly, we, if we focus and put our minds uh, minds to it, we can get out of here by the seventeenth. And I think there is a um, there's certainly a desire for all sixty of us to get out of here. Nobody wants to stay, uh, notwithstanding the arguments about oh, you just want the per diem and that kind of stuff. Those, that's kind of no nobody wants that, but um, you know we five to ten days is what it takes for a conference committee. So uh, the problem is is there's a little bit of gamesmanship going on right now. The the Senate is actually hanging on. If you look at the uh, James Brooks argument or the James Brooks article, sorry, um, uh, Senator Stedman's argument is could they want to hold on to the budget for flexibility. Well, what that means is they're um, negotiating with us or they're playing poker with us, if you will, with the House um, to see what we will accept and what we won't accept before they send the budget over so that there is, uh, so that they get their way, if you will. Well, we've talked so, about this. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about this in the past, right? I mean, we're winding the clock down here, and you're right. I was going to talk about that in a little bit here. Brooks is is quoting Stedman as saying we're holding them in committee so that we can flex, we can do stuff around. Basically, time compression as a weapon, right? I mean, that's kind of what you and I have talked about in the past, right? Right, and that's a that's a very effective tool that they can use. As I said, everybody wants to get out of here, and you know, the certainly the House majority is not going to vote um, to uh, to stay longer if so. Um, you know, we'll just have to we'll have to see what happens as we get close and how quick the conference committee can do their work. Well, and in the House is already again getting all that stuff out and ready to go. As far as the fiscal policy working group parts, uh, down to the last two minutes here, do you think we're going to see any of these get up for a vote on the floor? Any of these pieces or parts uh, for this session? We are putting them out there certainly so that they can be uh, used as part of the end game if uh, you know there should be some uh, some of the uh, joint resolutions which will trigger uh, you know a constitutional uh, change uh, SGR 7 hopefully HB 110 hopefully all those are, are up in play and will be coming out of the house as soon as we uh, figure that we are coming out of the committee as soon as we 
uh, get the votes for them. And, you know, so that, that involves everybody being on board and all the House majority being on board and everybody understanding what exactly we're voting on. Um, as, as Rep. Carpenter said, we're not voting on an income tax or a sales tax or any kind of tax. We're voting on a fiscal plan. And we just need to keep that in mind. You know, too many times people tend to separate it, separate them out. Even the news media does. Right, and right. That's not the goal here. The goal is a fiscal plan. Kevin McCabe, our guest. Uh, thank you, Kevin. Hold the line for just a second. The Michael Duke Show continues. We got more coming up. Hour two dead ahead. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back with more right after this. All right, uh, final thoughts here from Kevin McCabe. Uh, I always like to give him a little bit of an extra bite, and he was kind enough to call in uh, un- unannounced this morning or impromptu phone call, so give him a chance to sound off. Uh, Kevin, your final thoughts here on, I don't know, the last days of the session or anything else that we may have missed that you want to uh, to chat about? Here's your opportunity. Sure. Well, you know, you look at the um, focused on ways and means at this point, and when you look at the Ways and Means Committee and what we've done uh, over the last uh, 90 days versus, or, or almost 100 days now, 110 days, um, versus last year, I think last year it took Ways and Means 45 days or last to, to even hear a bill. And or, and we've, we've heard dozens of bills, and we're working on getting them out of, ways and means and you know you, you you can't get a bill out of committee if you don't have the vote so it all it all hinges on talking to the committee members and finding out whether or not they are willing to vote for whatever bill it is so um, you know we're we're working pretty diligently at that rep carpenter is very effective and he's a very good uh, committee chair and you know he made a commitment early on that we were going to hear all bills all bills that came to ways and means we were going to hear and that's sort of the impetus for 165 uh, you know granted we put that together ways and means that the committee put it together but it's still an important bill it still talks about finances uh, it's a chance to relieve some of the overcrowding to give parents a better choice and still a third almost a third of the cost of a regular student which is a savings so 7200 bucks versus 18,000 I think 200 um, you know that's a significant cost savings for a certain segment of our of our budget. And of course, we've seen such an increase in um, you know I guess we would call them unschooled, uh, homeschooled. You know, again, learning pods or teacher shares or all these other non traditional ways of of schooling. I mean, we're seeing what nearly twenty percent of students who are outside of the regular school system now. That's a huge bump. And uh, and and I think it's a trend that's probably going to continue as more and more parents discover that there are other options out there. Right, and I think we need to create those options. We need to do everything we can. We need to focus on our children and on their um, on their upbringing and their, not upbringing, but their education, and not so much on the school districts and the infrastructure and the administrations and the non-teachers. Um, you know, that to me is more important than most of this discussion surrounding the BSA, if you want to know the truth. 
Right. Well, because we need to find efficient ways to school our children and not get it all consumed in over. I mean, that's government's nature. Government's nature is to grow the bureaucracy. I mean, anecdotally, we've talked about even my time in high school. I remember, you know, being in a high school in Fairbanks that had, you know, 800, 900, 1,000 students. And there were like four or five administrators for all that, you know, for the 20 or 25, maybe 30 teachers that they had. And today... It's almost a one-to-one match, and that's just—I mean, that's that's insane. I, I don't know. I mean, how how have things changed so much in just the last, uh, you know, thirty years that all of a sudden you need a one-for-one match and all this stuff? It doesn't make any sense to me. Right, me neither. You know, and I'm I'm the product of a public education in northern Minnesota, um, but you know, when I went to school, the school district was one room in the high school with one administrator and a secretary. That was sort of the sum total of it. You know, we didn't have all the huge number of employees and that sort right. of thing that are not teachers. Yeah, no, I think what I remember we had a, a principal, uh, I think one, maybe two vice principals, a secretary and a guidance counselor. And that was pretty much it for all those students, 800, almost a thousand students. So yeah, I, I got to ask the question like, what? Right. Why? Why can't? Why do we need? Why do we need all these uh, administrators? Other than it becomes a jobs program for many of the folks who are in the administrative side of things, and we're losing the focus on what's important, which is teachers in the classroom. And uh, and like I said, like you said, right. the biggest question is, what is the education system for? Is it for the children, or is it for the is it for the system? Is it for the schools themselves? Is it for the administrators and the overhead and the unions and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's a valid question, Kevin. I think you guys are you're headed in the right direction anyway. Well, I hope so. We're sure working towards it. All right, Kevin. Well, thank you so much for coming on board. I appreciate you uh, sounding off this morning. appreciate you being uh, part of the program, especially at the last minute like that. Thank you for calling in. You bet, Michael. Have a good day. Thanks so much. Kevin McCabe, uh, our guest here for uh, uh, impromptu guest for hour one of the Michael Duke show. We appreciate that. All the phone lines are open. If you'd like to sound off on any of the things that we've talked about, David uh, has been making some valid points in the chat in the uh, chat room specifically about um, the health care system that they, and we've talked about this consolidating the health care system and what that would mean for uh, savings for many of the states. And uh, I think this is a valid, valid point. Uh, We should be talking about this um, because this is a big, this is one of those big, um, you know, line items in the budget that drives a lot of of the budgets for the, for the different school districts and everything. And I, I mean, I think we should talk about that as well. Um, and, um, you know, so feel free to sound off on that, uh, David, if you want to call in, you can, or anybody else wants to comment on that. I'd love to hear what you guys have to say. We're going to continue here. The Michael Duke show, common sense, liberty-based free thinking radio. We got some other, uh, discussions to talk about this morning and we will, uh, continue moving forward on this. Hope you had a great weekend. If you are ready to go, let's, um, Let's get it going on. Here we go. Hour two, dead ahead. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. The Michael Duke Show.
Ready. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Oh, baby. Streaming live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com, where you'll find everything, including the links to our audio-only, whoops, audio, just speaking of audio-only stream, I guess I, I guess I forgot to start the audio-only. Sometimes, you know, it's, it, it is a low-budget radio show. What are you, what are you going to do? Uh, on the uh, find the audio only stream over at michaeldukeshow.com where it's up and running right now. You'll also find links to uh, our uh, different social media sites where we simulcast the radio show every morning on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. And you'll also find links to the podcast, which is available on Castbox, Stitcher, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and of course Spotify, uh, our favorite place to go find the uh, podcast. Uh, as well. Uh, also broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Special thanks to all the stations and uh, uh, around the state that have uh, picked up the show. And we appreciate you getting the word out to various uh, listeners around the state of Alaska. I mean, we are broadcasting live from all the way out at ADAC, kind of Dutch Harbor area all the way up into the interior in Fairbanks, and we appreciate that. Uh, probably, um, uh, I would say, one of the largest reaching statewide radio shows that we have out there. Um, all right, uh, so today is open line, open form, and we've been talking about uh, the budget and education and everything else. We just finished up. Kevin McCabe was kind enough to call in and give us some details on HB 165, which is, I think, step one in creating some kind of backpack funding for students where the money follows the student and instead of following the school. Um, and, of course, we had the usual band of suspects who came on and decried it and told us how bad it was and what we should do. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> again, what I find interesting about this is kind of the absolute disdain uh, that many legislators feel for parents who dare to challenge the status quo. Um, and I'd like to think that it's just ignorance on their part. Um, I don't know uh, if it is or not, or if it's just, you know, again, uh, belief in a system that uh, that is, um, well, fundamentally broken at this point. Again, those that were opposed to um, uh, to this, uh, opponents of the measure pointed out that while the bill would cause uh, could cause more public funding to be diverted away from public schools, it would not make running those in-person schools, which are mandated by the state constitution, any less expensive. 
Remember, this was the argument. Well, we got too many students in the class and we just need more money. That's really what the answer is. Not that we needed fewer students, but we needed more money for those same amount of students. And when an idea comes forward where you could take some of those students out of the classroom and kind of prevent that crush of, you know, too many students per teacher kind of thing, and you find another way to do it, they immediately poo-poo that and say, well, you can't do that because the, you know, parents are not certified and experienced teachers. They couldn't, you know, they're not better educated. And just, again, kind of the tone on this article. Who wrote this article? Iris Samuels wrote this article for the ADN. Kind of the, the, well, let's just, opponents also said that homeschooling is not a good fit for many families in the state for a variety of reasons, um, uh, including parents who work full time and parents who think that certified experienced teachers may be better educators than they could be. Well, that, sure. That's why it's called choice. They could still put their kids in public school. They could still send their kids to certified experienced teachers this just offers an opportunity for others who think that they can do as good a job or maybe they don't like a lot of the ancillary stuff that's attached to the schooling and everything else right now maybe that's what it's all about right they they just want their kids to learn the basics of reading writing and arithmetic and to help them develop a love of learning maybe they don't need all the extra <clears throat> extracurricular stuff and the cultural the 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 whole um, you know social justice aspect that we're seeing in schools these days maybe they don't need all that all they want to do is teach them some of the basics and then give them the opportunity to learn what they want to learn I mean we're giving these kids all the opportunity now to do everything from you know choosing their own gender to everything else why shouldn't they be allowed to be to learn what they want to learn. If a kid wants to get the basics of, again, reading, writing, and arithmetic, and then go off to learn about nothing but dinosaurs and all the things around, why shouldn't they be allowed to do that? I mean, again, if they could choose their own gender, what? I mean, that's not good for them to be able to choose what else they want to learn about? I, I mean, whatever. But again, just kind of the disdain, the message that I think where this is from uh, Andrew Gray, uh, a Dan Anchorage Democrat who sits on House Ways and Means. The message that I think we're sending is that all kids would do better if their parents who don't have teaching credentials and have never taught a child before stayed home and taught. Well, that's not exactly what we're saying. Um, I'm saying that from my perspective, yeah, I think kids would be a lot better off if the if the parents taught them at home. Uh, it would not be challenge-free for many parents for a variety of reasons, some of which were talked about earlier in the article, including parents who work full-time and all that other kind of stuff. But I find it offensive to think that you think that we have to have teaching credentials. And, I mean, we've never taught a child before. If you've raised a child, you've taught a child. If you've gotten a child to four or five years old when they hit the kindergarten time and they're still alive and can operate and talk with people, then you have taught children before. It doesn't mean you have to have the official stamp or certification from the state to prove that you could teach your children. But that's one of the arguments. Remember, uh, during the pandemic, people discovered that the uh, that teaching their children was not as hard as they were told. In fact, 
We saw many of them here who came on the program and in the chat room and other places who said, we didn't ever think we could do this. And then we ended up doing it. And we discovered not only was it uh, was it easier than we thought, it, it was more fulfilling. And our children did better. I mean, if there was any silver lining in the pandemic, it was the fact that parents all of a sudden, because of the circumstance, forced by circumstance, to take care of their own children's education, they discovered it wasn't nearly as hard as they were told. Right? Because they were told for years, oh, you just, you're just, you're not smart enough to homeschool your kids. You're not, you know, you just don't have the wherewithal. Oh, that's, you should leave it to the experts. And then they discovered that not only was it easy, and in some cases, I think I had, I want to say it was four different people comment directly in the chat room about the speed at which their children were learning and going through their schoolwork now because they were one-on-one individualized and they were able to go at their pace rather than at the slowest, the pace of the slowest student in the class. Um, And there were at least three or four uh, listeners who stated very specifically that their kids were going to graduate early or be done with the school semester early because they didn't have to wait around for the slowest student. They could get it done. They could do the stuff they were interested in and they burned it out. I mean, I've talked about my own, my eldest son. I mean, when I told him in, in, uh, in junior high or excuse me, in, as a, as a soft, uh, junior, as a junior in high school, I told him, look, you've got two and a half more years left and you can go at your own pace. As long as you're doing what you need to do and yada, 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 once your schoolwork is done, you can, you know, and you could finish it all at once and then have a month off or two months off. And he just, that kid just burned that school out. He discovered what he liked, what he liked to talk about, what he liked to read about. He did his basic classes and he was done super early. Why? Because he could go at his pace. And I think that's just yet another example of how we can benefit from what's going on. So, yeah, I guess Gray is right in that regard. I think the message that I'm trying to send is that all kids would do better if their parents taught them at home. Uh, for whatever reason, the slower children that are, are the ones that were not, you know, that were causing some of these bottlenecks in the classes – the parents know them better than anybody else. They can learn how to teach them to their learning style. The ones that were being held back by the slower students, and like I just said, can get done early, they can get done early and move on to do other things in life. I, I, You're right. Gray's right in that regard. Now, the idea that somehow teaching credentials make the biggest difference in teaching a child, again, the homeschooling statistics for the academic achievement of homeschoolers proves that fallacy right there. They don't want to talk about that. They want to. They don't want to talk about the fact that homeschooled children or kids who are in alternative learning, whether it's a Montessori or Magnet or Learning Pod or Teacher Share or whatever program they're in, that they statistically and historically have much better scholastic achievement scores than kids in the brick and mortar school. So it doesn't require a teaching credential to make it happen it's just not it's not it's not there doesn't need it but i'm glad the uh i'm glad that ways and means is discussing this and getting uh, although again the whole the whole tone of this article 
basically comes out with a chastisement for ways and means. How dare they? How dare they take up this bill when they haven't done all the other things that they're supposed to do? This is how the article starts. The House committee tasked with addressing Alaska's long-term fiscal plan has yet to advance any of the dozen bills referred to it that would levy new taxes or change the structure of the PFD. But with less than two weeks to go until the end of the legislative session, the committee on Thursday advanced a bill that would increase annual spending on homeschooled students by millions of dollars. Gasp, can you believe it? They haven't done all the stuff that they were supposed to do. Instead, they went and did this. <laughs> just, the, just the tone of the article says it all, baby. Says it all. Anyway, so that's that's a that's a good one. All right, so we're gonna we're we'll we'll drop that. I mean, I could talk about as you know lately. I could talk about the educational stuff all day long because I just find it so interesting to see how these people are dealing with it. Uh, meanwhile, we got uh, time for one more phone call. Let's go over here and see what you have to say. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hello, Michael. This is Jason calling from Fairbanks, uh, and. Um I had just sent you an email, a copy of the message I sent to Emma Camp, your guest from Reason Magazine, last week. I haven't heard back from her yet, but I included some details about education and teaching. Um, when one is not a professional teacher, that I thought you might find interesting. If you haven't received it, it'll be there in a few seconds. I just now sent it. Okay. But I was thinking about this. You know, listening listening to you is that. I taught college when I was a kid in college. I was a tutor for a professor, and I was able to teach kids, even the slow, the slow kids, and all I needed was just the answer key book, which those books are very well written. You know, they cover every step of a problem, if it's a math problem or if it's a science problem or if it's reading or, you know, another subject. It goes into detail, so you can literally fake it until you make it if you don't know the subject yourself. You can pass on that knowledge without even until you understand it fully yourself, and you can buy those books and reprints of them anywhere. So, the when I heard you talking about the legislatures and what their claims are about what parents can and cannot do, I call BS on them. I, I think what it is is they're just they're they're uh, elites, and they think that only they uh, are qualified <laughs> to do such things, and it, and it uh, this quote-unquote stupid parents can't do it. Well, those quote-unquote stupid parents, my, <laughs> my father taught me math and reading, and my mother taught me um, literature and other things. I learned to read before I even went to school, and ne neither of them went to college. My mother right. never even finished high school. Right, right. No, so, I um, mean, I agree. No, I mean, so, I mean, so, I mean it's, it's, it's not that hard to teach. No, I, I agree with you, Jason. I mean, it's it's interesting. Like you said, my wife... Uh, my wife had never finished high school uh, as part of a as part of a health problem that she had, so she never officially finished high school. But she raised four, she raised five children, and and have schooled four of the five so far. My youngest is going to graduate this year uh, through the system. You know what I found interesting? You talk about the teachers' key. What I found interesting is that early on, especially when we got a lot of uh, actual physical books, because things over the last 
15, 18 years have really gone more digital. But those first few years, we'd yeah. get we'd get the student manual for a certain subject, and then we'd get the teacher's manual, and mm-hmm. it was like three times as thick because, as you said, it would go through the reasoning oh, yeah. behind every question. It would go through the, 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 the process of how did they solve this problem, whether it was science or math or something else. So you're right. As long as you have the ability to read and understand and comprehend, you could teach your kids exactly the same thing, especially when you have it all written out in front of you. Exactly. And thing is, not, o- not only are those books still available, you can buy them from like, you know, um, Amazon, A-Books. A-Books is especially a good source for them. But also there are companies that are, that are reprinting the old ones. You know, they're doing, you know, pod printed ones and other ones like that. You know, actual physical copies. Not, I mean, you can get them on memory sticks too, but I prefer a nice, you know, regular paper and with binding book. So, any parent who wants to, they can get those easily. I think what would yep. be a nice, a great thing. I'll look. I'll see what I can look up for you. Is All right. uh, sources where those books are available. You could maybe put on your website like a, a post-it or something where interested parents could buy those from there. Yeah, no, I'll post them up on my Facebook page. Thank you, Jason, for calling in. I appreciate. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate you being part of it today, folks. We're up against the break. I got a couple lines on hold, but I got to take a quick one. So we're going to be back with more. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about the House and the Senate and where they meet in the middle on the budget. That's up next. Plus Stedman's comments about, I think, how he's going to use time compression again as a weapon. We'll see how that works. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Regularly heard on American radio. Okay, uh, we're in the break right now. We got one line on hold. Caller, hold the line for a second. I'm going to be right back to you here. Don't uh, don't go anywhere. I'm going to uh, I'm going to I'm going to get your name and information here in just a second. We're going to be uh, we're going to be back here to you. Let me scroll. Let me scroll backwards. Let me scroll backwards to see. Um, uh, oh, I gotta, I'm sorry. I gotta, gotta highlight this real quick. I gotta go back and see what David was talking about. I want to talk about that here in just a minute. Um, okay. Back down to the bottom of the chat here. Uh, Kevin posted uh, a great piece on North Dakota changing their defined benefits. Uh, Thanks, uh, Kevin, for posting that. I'll go take a look at that. Um, Maybe they don't want to force their child to sit down and pay attention for seven hours a day, says Jennifer. I mean, right, because some kids are just not built that way in the very beginning. Um, I had one kid where basically we would have to do – you know, we do an hour uh, or so of education and instruction, and then he'd have to leave his room and kind of wander around and come back and sit back down again and come back to it in a little bit. Uh, I mean, that's, you know, that's the uh, uh, that's the way to do it. HB 21, the school district health care insurance bill is up today in House Finance at 130. Hmm. Uh, parents could still pool their funds together and hire a real teacher. That's a teacher share program. We've talked about that. I, you know, we talked about several teachers 
that were so frustrated. Uh, in fact, there was an article about one of them. I think it was in the ADN talking about how some teachers and you had to read between the lines to see what was going on. But they were so frustrated with the district's response to all the COVID stuff and the shutdowns and the remote learning and everything else that a couple of them are like, well, I'm just going to go. I mean, they ended up becoming tutors and teachers on their own. If you're frustrated, if you're a teacher and you're frustrated with all the palavering and all the BS that's going on, then, you know, you could set up a teacher share program all on your own. Where, again, several families pulled together and had you come in and help teach their children, you know, several days a week uh, on a variety of subjects. That I mean, that that makes total sense. Um, let's, uh, let me go over here real quick to the caller and, uh, get them squared away to see who they are. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? This is Mark from Fairbanks. Okay. Mark from Fairbanks. You hold the line, my friend. I'll be to you here. You'll be first out of the shoot when we return from the radio. Okay. Or return to the radio, I guess I should say. Um, <clears throat> Homeschooling for us equals three days of school for core subjects, art, sports at regular school, and a part-time job making his own money. We both love it, says Denise. Yes, that's, I mean, that's a great way to do it. Uh, Some people treat school more like daycare than expecting an education and then blaming everyone and everything else for the problems their child is having. I think in a lot of ways that's what's happened. We've, We've created kind of this monster where, it's an expectation of it's really more about taking care of the children and taking the children off your hands than it is in the long run about education of the child and making them ready. Uh, my challenge with homeschooling has never been about my education lover, old Billy's. I failed at it because my kid doesn't see me as the authority in teaching. He would refuse to interact with me and scream and fight me when it was school time. It wasn't always that way. We did pre-K and K with three and four. Once he turned five and it was time to actually enroll him in a homeschool program and follow a set curriculum, things went downhill fast. Um, well, I have some commentary on that, but I, I mean, I guess it, you know, it may not be forever. Maybe your kid would be better off in a learning pod or a teacher share program. That's for sure. Uh, we got a second line on hold. Let's go over there and get their name here real quick and we'll see who they are. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, good morning, Michael. It's David calling from Anchorage. Oh, hey, David. Hold the line. You got one ahead of you, and we'll be right back to you here, okay? And then we can talk about the health care situation. Uh, all right, we got two lines on hold. We're going to return to this, um, and we're going to see what this is all about. We're going to get, uh, um, we're, we're going to see what this is all uh, comes down to. Uh, okay, I'm looking at, I'm looking at the comments here. Oh, there's some good commentary in here. Let's jump back into it. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Not your daddy. Wait, sorry. Not your daddy? Ooh, not your daddy's talk radio. Whew, I was scared for a second. Thought we were going down. Here's Michael Dukes and the show. Okay, uh, continuing on now, open line, open forum. I want to talk a little bit about the budget, but we've got some, uh, we got some, we got some phone calls. So let's uh, go over there first. We're going to talk with Mark, who is up in Fairbanks. Mark, uh, what's on your mind, my friend? What are you, what are you thinking today? Good morning. Hey, um, I was just going to make a couple of quick comments about 
the education deal, um, definitely more choice is better, more freedom for the individual, for the families is definitely better. You know, it's freedom versus the individual. It's freedom versus um, individual choice. Um, it's, it's uh, you know, it's partially, it, this is what, it, what the bottom line is. It's either the, the people on the other side who says you've got to have the, the government schools and, and the highly educated. It's all about who's going to control your kids. It's all about who's going to control the money. That's all it's about. So it's freedom versus choice versus the individual family. It's all about who's going to indoctrinate your children. And, um, and so I also heard recently, I forget where, but I'm not going to quote this perfectly because I don't remember, but they're talking about the education, how um, the kids coming out of school, like barely 12%, and I'm, I'm probably wrong on the amount, but it was very low, have a basic understanding of our American history. They right. don't know it. Right. They don't know it. They're not teaching it, along with a lot of other traditional things. And so um, it's just like John Adams uh, stated, quote from John Adams, our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Morality and virtue are the foundation of our republic and necessary for a society to be free and to remain free. The problem is, is that the traditional and moral values are this, in this nation have been in decay for 50 or more years, and that's leading to destruction and leading to the mess that we see now. Right. And Quite honestly, people don't want to hear it, but we need a revival of biblical truth and revival of Jesus. End well, of conversation. Anyways, uh, thank you for the show. Thank you. for the, <laughs> Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. I mean, <clears throat> and I think, again, uh, a moral people is definitely what we need to be. And, uh, you know, part of what we're seeing today is uh, a, a decay in some of that thing. Uh, and I would agree with that. There's been a decay in morals uh, across the country over the last 50 years, for sure. Uh, thank you for your call. Let's go over here. David is down in Anchorage. David has been talking about uh, some of the uh, health care issues in the uh, in the education system and some of those costs. Uh, David, uh, who also writes for Must Read Alaska as one of their education guys, uh, David, uh, what, you, you said some some pretty interesting things in the chat room here. Uh, this morning, talking specifically about the Anchorage School District not wanting to uh, save some money, wanting to, in fact, they're going to increase the expenditures and more. Give us the rundown. Uh, yes, Michael, good morning. Uh, you know, a few years ago, Senator Dunleavy, I believe it was, sponsored a bill to do just what uh, the bill current in the current legislature wants to do, allow um, the school districts, the boroughs, and all other local government entities to participate in the state's Alaska CARES health insurance plan. Um, back then, of the five major school districts, you know, Anchorage, Kenai, Fairbanks, Juneau, and the Matsu, all but one of them wanted to participate in the Alaska state Alaska CARES health plan. That one was the big elephant in the room called the Anchorage School District. Uh, this year, uh, I have not seen any opposition written by the Anchorage School District under the current bill, 
And I can't remember the bill's number, but it's one sponsored by uh, Sarah Vance from Homer. But um, the Kenai Peninsula Borough has come on record as wanting, uh, as supporting that bill because they know, and they're actually undergoing all this uh, problems with increased health insurance costs for their employees. Uh, they know that it's unsustainable going forward and that they can save a tremendous amount of money by participating in the state's plan. I, looking at the state's plan lately, <clears throat> I think it's around for a family, I'm just going to estimate right now, it's around $15,000 $15, a year. Now let's look at the Anchorage School District right now. It, for the teachers union, well the teachers let's say, it's $1,750 a month per member. That equates to about $21,000 a year, a significant difference of $6 million from the state's plan, um, 6000 rather, from the state's plan per member. Now, when the Anchorage School District pays these premiums for the health insurance for the teachers, guess where that money goes? That goes to an organization called the Public Education Health Trust, which is managed by, guess who? <laughs> the NEA or the teachers union. Right, right. So one can see why the Anchorage School District doesn't want this to happen because, you know, they're part and parcel of the NEA. Uh, right. I mean, we've seen that before where if the monies are going to be drawn out of that and be used somewhere else where they're going to save money, the teachers unions are definitely not in favor of it because they've got control of this huge fund to be able to do what they want with it, uh, even though ideally it would save them. Uh, a tremendous amount of money. Save the schools a tremendous amount of money. The same thing, again, on the consolidation of the districts when we talk about that. They don't want that because, again, it would eliminate a tremendous amount of overhead from many of these places that have, you know, if we've got 53 different uh, school districts, then we've got 53 different administrations for each one of those school districts. If you, again, if you consolidated them down to just a handful of districts, uh, it would make a huge difference. I mean, if Hawaii, with however many hundreds of thousands of kids are in their school system, has one district for all the islands, why do we need to have 53 different districts, some of them with only a few hundred kids in them, compared to what's going on out there? But these ideas are immediately shot down because, well, people would lose their jobs, right? I mean, it's it really. so is it about teaching the kids? Is it about being efficient? Or is it about being a jobs program? Well, you're exactly right. It is it is quite a bit of a jobs program, unfortunately, for those teachers that are effective in, in all the classrooms that we have. But to give you an example of how much salaries and benefits in the Anchorage School District are going up from last year, they're going up $41.5 million salary and benefits from the previous year. That's an 8.5% increase. And they've also added 189 FTEs or let's call them people, <laughs> another 189 employees with, guess what, 5,000 fewer students than we had in 2017. Right, And right. with projections that we're going to lose another 5,000, these projections from the school district, we're going to lose another 5,000 students by the year 2027. So in bottom line is the health insurance in the Anchorage School District is 17% of the general fund, which is about $100 million for the health insurance for employees. Right, and we could and, save a significant you know, amount of and, money. And so in some of these contracts that we have in, in the Anchorage School District and probably the others, they have a clause in there called the Me Too clause. 
In other words, if your union member, one union member gets increased benefits for the health insurance, the other union members get those increased benefits for their health insurance as right, well. Right, right. Um, so if you want to pay $100 million uh, in health insurance costs for uh, the person, the personnel in um, the Anchorage School District, have at it. Uh, the other problem is the Teamsters, the bus drivers, and they've got a, they got a big increase, which I think was probably uh, uh, um, you know needed to keep the drivers on on payroll. But the other thing is the health insurance for the te- Teamsters is twelve dollars and seventy five cents an hour, which is a little over five hundred dollars a week. So if you figure it out, that's another $20,000 plus per Teamster member. And the other thing is, just like the teachers' union, guess what? That money that the school district pays for those members does not go to a health insurance plan per se. It goes to the Teamster's health plan with no accountability for for money spent. In other words, there's no claims history. Yeah, no, it's a it's a troubling trend. And again, if we were looking to cut, I mean, those are two major ways that we could cut the overall size and scope of the budget while still keeping the number of people in place, you know, giving them exactly the same, if not a better health care plan in the long run for a much uh, lower uh, cost outlay in the in the long run. But uh, again, this is where the fight's going to be. The, these unions, these organizations don't want to lose their access to those big, juicy funds of money. And that's definitely part of the uh, problem. David, um, thank you for what you do. Thank you for uh, keeping us surprised of that and appreciate you calling in. Thank you, Michael, for what you do, too. All right. Appreciate it. Uh, we're going to continue here. I guess one comment before we go to break. Uh, Melissa said, IDEA, which is the Interior Distance Education Association from the Galena City School District, uh, which is the largest homeschooling organization in the state, takes money from our local school districts in Fairbanks. Enroll your kids in BEST, which is the borough-run, school district-run education uh, plan, Uh, to which I say, no, 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 no. It doesn't take money. They get money per student, just like everything else. And so the money, yes, the money goes to IDEA instead of to the Fairbanks North Star Borough School District. I don't think that that takes, I mean, it does take money from the local. But again, what is the better program? Is BEST uh, the the better of the two programs? I would respectfully disagree. I think IDEA is a fantastic program. Again, showing again why they are the largest homeschooling organization in the state. And my experience with them has been nothing but fantastic. So, again, there's, you know, here's the thing. The school districts either need to get more competitive, create a better program, do what they need to do, or they will get consumed by things like IDEA and other programs that are giving people more flexibility and giving them what they want and what they need. Because that's what it's about. All right, we got more coming up. The Michael Duke Show continues. You're home for Common Sense Radio, dead ahead. Budgets and more, plus your phone calls at 907-433-3150. Back with more right after this. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities 
to provide streaming stuff going on, on, the, on the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. <laughs> First of all, I want to I want to comment on Brian because Jerrica was saying, explaining the problem she was having with her kids, not thinking that she was, uh, he didn't see her as an authority in teaching, um, to which I said I, I had some commentary. I think Brian took it all away from me when he said, uh, when his kids bowed up, he drug them out of bed at 6 a.m. one January morning, tossed them in the truck, and we cruised the road at negative 27 degrees. See those kids waiting for the bus? That could be you. 6 a.m., five days a week. This could be you. Any questions? They saw the light, so to speak. I mean, that's the thing. We got to stop treating our kids like they're going to be our best friends or something. They're kids. We are the authority figure. Um, you bow up on me. Guess what happens? Well, it's a privilege to live in my house. Not, not a right. Right. I remember there was a period of time in my household where I changed the internet password every day, and they did not get uh, they did not get access to that until after they had accomplished a certain number of uh, goals and missions that I set out for them. And that didn't last too long. It didn't last too long. Maybe a month. I had to come up with thirty different passwords for the pa- for the uh, internet because um, you know uh, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Right. That's just how it. This that's just how it works. Um, again, this whole thing about IDEA taking money from the local school districts, IDEA offered an opportunity. IDEA offered an opportunity that was different than what the school districts were offering, and that money went to them instead. And that's what the idea of kind of this free market competition is about. Um, uh, the best program only came about because IDEA was in the market, and the best program is still not the best. Still not the best. Um, one of the best arguments for homeschooling is the uh, you know is the Alaska location argument. If you want to live in a specific place that's not close to a school, it's too far to drive a bus or do anything else. Then correspondence school might be the best for you and your kids. Would it not be smart to encourage that? Would kids not be better educated? Or is there another agenda, such as forcing us all to live on top of each other in a city? Yep. Yep. Um, uh, Emily says, I think what we are seeing here is that education must be reexamined and restructured. Homeschooling works well to develop a child's core values, ethics, and develop a love for learning. I love that your wife taught your children despite not finishing high school. That takes a ton of courage fighting against the status quo. I loved homeschooling my children. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, all right. Uh, going through the elections, blah, 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 HB 21, HB 21, less cost, better outcomes for teachers, HB 21, uh, being heard in house finance today at one thirty. Yep. Um, the issue is never the issue. The issue is power. And I would agree with that at many levels in this legislature. Um, uh, uh, the f- uh, best Fairbanks North Shore Rural School District actually makes money from funding idea. The idea is not from the Fairbanks School District. It's from the Galena City School District. They make money from best probably because they still get the per pupil charge and they're able to bank the rest of the money that comes in on that, I'm sure. 
So, you know, uh, that would probably, you know, and besides, uh, they still get all the dollars from every individual property owner out there anyway. So property owners are already paying into it. I paid into, I still pay property taxes in Fairbanks. I still pay into the school system, even though none of my kids attended any of the local school systems. That's just how it works. They're getting money anyway. I don't think you have to worry too much about the school district getting kicked, getting, uh, getting uh, uh, kicked into um, uh, by uh, uh, by other school systems out there because they're still getting money from everybody everywhere anyway. That's what it's all about. Um. All right. And uh, not every kid responds to the same disciplinary tactics as Jay. I tried the hard parenting, literally tried everything. I had to do a lot of research. I had to learn new ways of approaching situations with my son. We learn and grow every day. All we can do is the best we can do with what time we have or what we have at the time. If you're not learning something new every day, you're not growing. If you're not growing, are you really living? Well, that's the whole, if you're not... If you're not green, you know, if you're green, you're growing. If you're ripe, you're rotten, right? You can't keep trying the same things over and over and expecting different results. It is hard. It's hard. Each child is a little different. And with five kids, trust me, I had to learn that. I had to learn that. Some, it could just be a raised voice or a harsh word, you know, a a scolding. Uh, Others, it took a little bit more. Others, it took a little bit more. It took a little bit of a different approach. That's what happens out there. Okay, uh, all right, let's, uh, let's get things going, and we will continue. One final segment, Dead Ahead, the Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share, like and follow, do all this stuff. Let's get to it. Here we go. Okay, here we are in the final segment. I mean, it is the fastest two hours in radio, folks. You just can't, you can't make this stuff up. I don't know how we got here so fast, but let's uh, let's get over here and talk a little bit about the overall budget. James Brooks over at the Alaska Beacon has got an article up, and uh, they're still working on the budget with nine days remaining. Nine days remaining in the legislative session. And they still don't have, they still haven't reached the finish line uh, on this stuff. Uh, Kathy Tilton's quoted in the article says, We're meeting daily with the Senate, just working on finding some way to come together to put this kind of end game package together, which I can tell you right now, we don't have the details of yet. Um, but Brooks makes an interesting commentary here, which I find very interesting. Since 2015, Odd number years have brought tortuously long arguments over the budget as lawmakers debate the proper amount of the permanent fund dividend. Without a state election season to encourage quick action, regular legislative sessions have been followed by special 30-day sessions, and lawmakers have frequently approached the July 1st deadline for the start of the fiscal year. It's odd year 
odd numbers years, odd number years. So almost for 10 years now, every odd number year has brought an exorbitantly long process because they don't have to get out and go electioneering, right? They don't have to go out and do the election thing. And so they can just sit around and kind of wait on it. Um, and uh, that's that's interesting. That's an interesting commentary. Now, if we did take the PFD off the table, if we constitutionalized it, if we protected it, if it was set not in statute but in the Constitution so that they couldn't take the opportunity to just pick it and choose it, then this might speed things up a little bit because they wouldn't have to wait around to the July 1st deadline to get it done. Um, the uh, debate this year, again, is over the permanent fund. The House approved a draft that contains the $2,700 dividend and $175 million boost to the public school funding, one-time boost instead of a BSA increase. Um, but they do create, those items create a substantial deficit, which ha would have to be covered by the CBR. Spending from that requires a supermajority in the House and Senate. The... Uh, the Senate, for its part, advanced an alternative budget. This one includes a $1,300 dividend and no spending from the budget reserve. Um, although I believe, at the last numbers that I saw, it still leaves us, because they want to increase the base student allocation, it still leaves us with a slight deficit in the end, even though they are not telling you how they're going to fund it at this point. Um, the uh, The... The, uh, during a Tuesday news conference of last week, leading senators said they're unlikely to approve spending from the reserve, uh, which stands at about $2.6 billion, even though the state drew more than a billion dollars from that same reserve to, co to cover budget deficits in the last two They did it the last two years, but this year, oh no, now they found religion. Now they found a reason why they should not. This is all a process, a negotiation process, said, said uh, Senate President Gary Stevens. A compromise that has to take place. I think we've made it clear that where we are. I believe there's a real disinterest amongst most senators to go into our savings account when savings are as low as they are. The, the account was even lower when they've gone. This is, again, this is just hysterical because this is all, again, just, oh, well, now we don't, we're not running the narrative on both. Well, then we don't want to spend from the savings account. I mean, they've spent from the savings account for years. They've spent it down from 14 or $15 billion down to where it is today for years. They All of a sudden, they're like, well, now we can't do that. That's not fiscally responsible. We can't. Oh, no. Um, the other, Basically, where do we go from here is the question. Um, procedurally, the Senate hasn't formally approved its plan with a vote of all 20 senators, but in, during informal hallway conversations, the idea appears to have enough votes to pass, according to James Brooks here at the Alaska Beacon. A draft schedule circulated among House and Senate leaders last month called for the Senate to approve its version of the budget this week. That would be last week from this article. But that didn't happen. For the time being, said Bert Stedman, Sitka Republican, the two bills that make up the budget are being kept in the Senate Finance Committee for flexibility i could just hear him curling his muscle <laughs> flexibility uh he's flexibility i.e 
how do I make this that I can strong arm people to vote for this one way or the other? He's leaving them in committee for flexibility. He doesn't want it to go out on the floor for a vote because then it needs to get over to the House. And then the conference committee would have to get started. And he wants to make sure that this gets down to the very wide. This, again, is time compression as a weapon. They're going to hold it back as much as they can. And release it at the last moment and then tell everybody, well, we don't have time for this conference committee because otherwise the government's going to shut down. So we need to get it done now. Which is, again, the perfect tactic that the he has perfected that tactic over the years. This is nothing new, folks. But what ha- what needs to happen is somebody needs to call his bluff on that kind of stuff. They are literally leaving them in committee until the last possible second so that then when it does get pulled out, then you just you don't have any time to think about it. You don't have any time for any other alternatives. It's going to be our way or the highway. Or we're going to blame you for the government shutdown. Now, the House has been done with their version of the bill for quite a while. But now the but but the Senate's got the news media on their side. You just look at the press releases. You look at what's being covered. They've got what'll happen. Oh, they'll blame the House for not budging. Even though the House has been done for a while, they'll blame it on the House for not wanting to budge. They've been sitting on these bills for, what, eight, nine days now? Sitting on them. And they're leaving leaving them there for flexibility. I can see what's going to happen already. They're going to drop this out just a few days before the end of the session and then tell everybody, oh, we you you got to, you know, we got to do what we ask because there's just no time. There's no time to compromise. There's no time to come together. Uh, otherwise, it'll be a, a it'll be a, a, a shutdown and you'll be responsible for it. Even though we've been the ones that have been sitting on this for. I mean, I would hope that people like James Brooks would recognize this fact and call a spade a spade when it comes out, right? That when it comes out, he goes, well, you know, the House had theirs out and the Senate really just kind of dawdled up until the last minute. And now they're saying that the House is responsible for the potential government shutdown. But really, they were the ones that had had the ball last and they're, you know. But I I am not confident that that would be the the way that the article comes out. I guarantee you there will be a hue and cry to somehow blame the majority in the House for any potential shutdown that may come uh, that may come about. You know, um, it's uh, it it's just it's just astonishing. But that's I think that's what's going to be happening. That's that's what's going to be happening. So we'll see we'll see what happens. But I can I can almost I'm I'm trying to predict here what's going to what's going to come out of this. And I can guarantee you that that's probably what it's going to look like. I would I would pay money on the fact that that's what it's going to look like, that they're going to hold it up till the last minute. It'll probably be maybe Thursday or Friday of this week. They'll finally drop it. They'll you know, that'll it'll come up. Oh, now we got to form a conference committee, but we just don't have time. And it'll be that time compression in that last two or three days of the session where they just can't come to, you know, and it's going to be the majority, the House majority's fault because reasons. Because, first of all, they're not they're not favored by the news media. And so that's the kind of coverage they're going to get. And the Senate will be like, well, we, you know, we, we tried to we, we were trying to be reasonable. We're trying to be reasonable. 
Uh, I mean, this is this is the games that are being played down there right now. This is it. Um, and this is the uh, this is the same kind of stuff that we've seen Stedman do for years. Whether it was holding uh, funding back for road projects like the Knick Goose Bay Road Project, where if you didn't vote for it, he was going to defund that project, or where he made the Turducken Bill where he stuffed bills inside of bills or or the ones that were contingency bills that you had to vote for this. And if you didn't vote for this, then this wouldn't pass. I mean, just the shenanigans that we're seeing around this whole thing is astonishing. Just astonishing. But that's my prediction. That's my prediction for the end of the session, that they're going to hold this to the last minute. It'll probably be Thursday, maybe even Friday. When they vote on it and it gets passed over to the house, and by then, well, you've only got the weekend. Oh, the Mother's Day this weekend, right? So, I mean, is everybody going to be there, or we'll only have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday to get it done? It just won't be enough time. Oh, the House majority's trying to shut us down. I can see it. We'll see how close I am by the end of the week. We'll see where at. Maybe we'll see. Out of time, folks. Tomorrow's another day. Be kind. Love one another. Live well. The Michael Duke Show. I hope I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong. But I don't believe I am. Again, the House has been done forever. And the Senate's like, well, we're just holding it back for flexibility. No, you're holding it back so you can strong arm people. That's what it's about. You're holding it back so that when the time comes, you can drop it and say, well, this is the only choice because we're out of time. Sorry. I mean, do you not do you not see that? All right, we got to go. Thanks for coming in and joining us. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty Bays, Free Thinking Radio.
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. <laughs> 